Beyond Yacht Rocks coming at you on the Feral Audio Podcasting Network. Go to feralaudio.com. Shop for all your Amazon needs through their Amazon portal. Proceeds go to the artists, and we all become people with a little tiny bit of money. Amazon portal. Good work, Dave. All right, fuckers. Yeah. We've covered some amazing songwriters this month. J.D. told us amazing tales of Diane Warren's eight number one hits. Eight of them. Steve exposed how shitty Bon Jovi and Aerosmith are at writing their own songs with Desmond Child. Hero. And Hunter got us all pumped up by playing some terrific music written by good old Holly Knight. All great songwriters and you dudes did a wonderful job of shining a light on the artists as people and their works. But now it's time to strap in, everybody. Shit's about to get serious. Oh, it's Dave's turn. Uh, shit just put on glasses and is scowling. The shit just adopted a British accent, donned a period costume, repressed its feelings, and won an Oscar. <laughs> what are you talking about? The how shit, serious it got. Yeah, the shit just oh. turned into Hunter. Sorry. Oh! Guys, of the top ten selling albums of all time, only one has had all of the words and all of the lyrics written by one single person. One only? One, Steve. That album is number five on the list, and it was written by awesome incarnate Jim fucking Steinman. Oh! This is the title track from 1977's Bad Out of Hell, and it kicked off an album that would go on to sell over 43 million copies. Fuck! His career spanned five decades, and he's written some of the most memorable songs in history. There's also some songs that no one gives a shit about, but that's not our focus. Today, we're going to take you on a musical journey through the history of a great man. Welcome back to Beyond Yacht Rock Songwriter Series. This is Jim Steinman. Fuck yeah, Dave! Beyond Yacht Rock. J.D., stop pressing that uh, Hollywood Steve soundboard over there. Oh, okay, well. Yeah. Y'all need a hype man sometimes, you know? Yeah! Uh, my finger slipped, sorry. Welcome to the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. So this is the podcast where we invent new genres and count them down. We're in the middle of our songwriter series now, so we're focusing on songwriters that are in and of themselves genres. But, as we do every episode, we like to kick things off with a bone throw to all you Yacht Rock fans out there. And today, Hunter has picked our bone throw song. Hunter, what are we? Oh, we didn't. I didn't introduce you guys. Well, there's Hunter over there. Hi, guys. And Dave, you, we heard you were earlier. Yeah. Hey, what's up? And then the Hollywood Steve button. Here we go. Hey, hey, everybody. Hey. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. We're gonna have some fun. Yeah. I, I just, just kind of like wiggled it. my finger and mashed the buttons. So, Hunter, what's this song we're listening to? Well, JD, this is uh, Chunky Novi and Ernie with Did- Didn't Want to Hurt You for Another Guy. And uh, Hunter, please explain to me who Chunky Novi and Ernie are. No, but I'll explain Fuck. who Chunky is. Chunky was the number one woman of yacht, Lauren Wood. This is her earliest per- persona, Chunky. Did she wear a fat suit or so? No, she actually looked like Zool, the gatekeeper, prepa- preparing for Gozer the Gozerian. Or maybe one of those Nagel paintings in the salon. Yeah, but this is, uh, this is pre... I mean, she's easing into Yacht Rock right here. Easing? I hear some pretty intense Michael McDonald background. Yeah, that's background fucking Michael vocals. McDonald in the background, right? He helps you ease into Yacht Rock. That's what he does. <laughs> it's like an explosion of Michael McDonald yeah. in this song. Well, and the reason for that is because 
out of the one, or maybe there was another song, but I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the only song produced by Ted Templeman on this album. And so I think he brought in a few guys he liked to work with. One was Mike McDonald. That was his. Oh, best. Mike. Yes, that's how he was credited. So I'm assuming it was Michael McDonald. Yeah, it's pretty he hip. Home, puts on the flannel shirt. He sounds similar. I don't know if that's Michael McDonald. Well, it's Mike. I'm pretty sure it's. Thousands. Maybe great. they know each other. Uh, other than that, there was a few uh, Doobie Brothers on here. And uh, let's see, who we got here? Yeah, which doobies you got? Now, Michael McDonald played keyboards on this, right? He's credited as keyboards, but if you listen to the keyboard solo in this song, I guarantee that it wasn't written by Michael McDonald. It just doesn't sound like McDonald, and it kind of sucks. Well, I Which Michael McDonald doesn't do. I'm pretty sure Novi played the synth and electric piano on this, right? Yeah, oh, here it is. This is a terrible piano solo. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this is Novi. Wow, that almost sounds like steel drum. Sure, isn't Novi like Novi, Michigan? Uh, no, no, that's a whole story about the Roman numeral six being misread. Oh, <laughs> of course. And uh, Ernie was famous for playing the old person piano. I think he might be on the background oh. of this. Ernie is Ernie a dude? Ernie is a dude. Huh. Uh, let's see. Russ Kunkel. Oh! Kunkel. Kunkel. Yeah. Remember him from Uncle, the Uncle Kunkel. Uncle Kunkel. He played the drums on most of this album, but not on this song. This is a former Doobie Brother drummer, Michael Hasek. Well, he's good. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, and uh, Steve Foreman and Lee Rittenauer on this. Oh, some, Lee Rittenauer. Yeah, these are some Yacht Rock roustabouts that we'll get to later. Well, that's pretty good, but does that alone make it Yacht Rock? I don't know. I don't know. Well, no. I was... Oh, Jay Poop and Graydon. Hey, I, was, I, was oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. Jay Poop and Graydon. I thought the you song ended. I was trying... distracted us all. Yeah, I, was I was ready to, to move on, but yes, Jay. Jay Poop and Graydon was on that song. <laughs> on that song. Are we calling him pooping because he like he's too good to fuck? Like, no, he, he writes songs pooping. while he's pooping. We talked about. Oh, that's no like that. He's very cartoon. Beyond Yacht Rock. It's a great podcast. Forget all of our in jokes. Steve isn't caught up. He hasn't listened to that yeah, uh, episode. Yeah, I gotta yet. catch up on my listening. You wanna talk about Jim Steinman? Yeah, you mind? Let's talk about Jim Steinman! Oh, Alright. Do it again. Alright. First thing you need to realize about many songwriters is they, they just don't write a song and put it on some uh, some sort of rock and roll eBay site that hacks like Aerosmith, Bon Jovi, and any sh- other shitty songwriters have access to. These guys have muses. People that uh, inspire them to write music. In Jim Steinman's case, is that what, wait, is that what a muse is? Yeah, someone that yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that's what a muse is. How about that? Yeah, so like you remember throwing muses? I'm making fun of you for defining an obvious word. Oh. Continue. Well, you know what? I'm underestimating our audience again, <laughs> and I apologize. You guys know what Nick Rocks are. You guys know what uh, muse is. Well, anyway, thank you, JD. In the case of Steinman, he had two muses. Two muses. <laughs> The first being a young actor-singer named Marvin Lee Aday, who went by the name Meatloaf because of his loaf-like meaty cock. Oh, is that what it was? Yes. Meat was cast in a musical called More Than You Deserve, an off-Broadway play for which Steinman wrote the music and lyrics. The song we heard up top was a title track off the first album collaboration, Bad Outta Hell. As I said, it went on to sell 43 million copies. A follow-up was planned, but according to Steinman, Meat was unable to do it because of physical and emotional reasons. More on that later. So Steinman said, fuck it, and he sang it himself. We're listening to the title track, Bad For Good. Great music and lyrics, but you really miss meat on this. The voice just isn't there. Well, I give Steinman credit for the attempt. Imagine how awesome this would be if it was sung by meat. 
I also give him credit for rhyming knife in the dark with giving off sparks, which brings us to his next muse. JD? Muse two. Muse number two, Bonnie fucking Tyler. Most men don't get two muses in life. No. Especially one that's a man named Meatloaf. <laughs> and a woman named Bonnie. Aren't that many women named Bonnie, but my mom is named Bonnie. Oh. Great name. Good point. Underrated. Oh. Underrated woman's name. Congratulations, Mrs. Huey. Yeah. You did it, Ma. Top of the world. He's I want to. I want to talk about this never. for. A, I want to talk about this song for a second, if, we, if we, I could, Dave. We were waiting for you too. All right, this is. Uh, this is. Oh, sorry, I'm not following the script exactly. Oh, he's improvising. Here we go. Right. Right, here he's we off go. book. He's off anyway, book. He's off book. Uh, he referred to a script. He just threw it down. This song is really like the classic Jim song. Jim Steinman songwriting formula. Uh, every line of the verse starts with a short, repeated phrase, like turn around in this case. There's a giant melodramatic pre-chorus that builds and builds and builds to these ridiculous operatic heights, and then it crash lands into this surprisingly quiet chorus. Or if not quiet, then there's at least like a, uh, a sense of dramatic tension being released, like Afterglow. And then it, that goes on for anywhere from one to ten minutes longer than a normal pop song. I, and not every Steinman song follows this exact formula, but if you do hear this formula, you know immediately that it's him and he's at the height of his powers. Yeah, the thing that really lets you know you're listening to a Jim Steinman song is that it feels like he's like he, like he's writing for singers who are in the middle of a play. He's a musical writer. So to say his songs are dramatic or an understatement, his songs are emotional roller coasters. He can take you on a ride better than anyone in rock and roll, if you ask me. And the best part of anything is a thing that he's mastered, the oral orgasm. His climaxes are legendary, and they're huge, and they tire you out. It's like coming out of your own dick. You get worn out when you listen to a Jim Steinman song. Uh, you want to take a nap. It's like coming out of your own dick. Your own dick. I, I, I've your never own. come somebody, any other way. Not somebody else's dick. Here, I thought they were about cars. Man, I came so well, hard, what, I came what, out of somebody else's dick. What I'm saying, all of Jim Steinman's songs are about jizz. Every single one. The way the music is arranged, the lyrics, it's all about jizzing. Well, cars are really just peni on wheels, so... It fits, I think the, it fits. The plural of penis is peens. Yeah. Peni. Yeah, I thought it was in there that punk rock band, Rudimentary Peni. That's not how they got their name. It came from a biology experiment where they called an underdeveloped clitoris a rudimentary peni. clitoris? And it stuck. Uh, peni is also Hawaiian for Ben. Hawaiian form of Ben. But back to the jizz. Uh, jizz and rock. That's what you're going to hear. Repetition of these themes. Something uh, big versus something small. Uh, the juxtaposition of emotion and explosion. Tenderness versus rock. Heartbreak versus rock. It's a dramatic combination of massive versus low key. Simple, but huge. <laughs> like Meatloaf's dick. <laughs> you, uh, so it's kind of a unity of opposites. It's yin and yang yes. together. Hold on. He keeps talking about... Exchanging energy. He keeps talking about Meatloaf's dick. I thought he just really like eating meatloaf. And that doesn't make any sense. Uh, hmm, I don't know. Does he really I mean, it makes sense that Dave would talk about food, but it makes more sense that Dave would be talking about somebody's dick. 
If, you, uh, if I knew a guy who ate a lot of meatloaf, I'd call him uh, salad. Yeah. To be ironic. Yeah, like when you call yeah, a like, fat guy tiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a, a thing about Steinman is he's not very prolific. All the songwriters that we profiled so far, tons of hits, tons yeah. of songs, hundreds, thousands. Uh, he's writing, 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 writing. Yeah, but but Jim Steinman, he's got his two muses, Meatloaf and Bonnie Tyler. He wrote a couple hits for another for another couple folks, as you notice. But his songs are covered over and over again by this small corral of artists. It's very insular. It's something that you don't see too often. Should it's kind of like it's kind of like when you uh, like the studio musician communities all tend to work together, but the singers don't. This is sort of a singer community centered around one guy. Yeah, do you want to get into the countdown? I do. Why don't we start with uh, number 10? Number 10! Alright, I'm going to use you in a bit here. I've already cummed. Easing <laughs> in. Yeah. Lip, lip, wait. Tip, lip, drip. It's over. <laughs> yeah, who am I kidding? All Steinman's songs are a fucking rock opera. Hey, I, I, guys, can I just point out that this right here is the second Hulk Hogan-related song we've yeah. featured on this podcast? This we're, is, a lot, we're gonna get a lot of seconds in, yeah. in this episode. That's Jim Steinman, master of seconds. Yeah. And how many, uh, how many Iron Maiden songs have we had on this podcast so far? Uh, we had an intro in one of Steve's bumpers. That's the closest. We that got, was pre- huh? that was a pretty sweet bumper. Yeah, fuck yeah. Dave, why don't you intro this song? So this is uh, Hulk Hogan's theme, as performed by Jim Steinman. That's right. I put the artist in his own countdown. Wow. This song seemed this song seemed this seemed gonna back up. This served as the theme song for the television series Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. This was a very important cartoon in the life of at least one person in this studio, and was also briefly Hulk Hogan's entrance theme in late 1985. Hogan later changed it to Real American by Rick Derringer as yeah. an obvious attempt at a fame grab from the uh, previous tag team that uh, used that song, the U.S. Express. An obvious attempt at Obvious <laughs> attempt. The song also surfaced two years later with a different melody as Ravishing, a song on Bonnie Tyler's album Secret Dreams and Forbidden Fire. Wow, that's like everything right You'll there. You'll see that with Jim Steinman that he really recycles his material. He does. Um, like he works really hard at his shit and has a hard time letting his babies go. Um, if I were him, I'd be afraid that my songs would come back and murder me. That's how intense his songs are. Yeah. Also, they're, they're really long. This is uh, like like murder. Yeah, exactly. It takes a long time. Yeah, that was a good segue on my part there. An alternative title of this was always a ravishing instrumental, hmm. but it's, that's not true because they say a Hulk in the commission. As you can hear yeah, right there. Right. If it's called Ravishing, does that mean that Ravishing Rick Rude tried to use it yeah. at one point? Did he rewrite it for him? No. No, he was, he's he was, faithful to he Hulk Hogan. He was using Hogan. a smooth operator at this time. Hey, you guys. Oh, Ravishing uh, Rick Rude was yes, using that. Okay. By uh, Sade. By, by Sade. Sade. Shade? Yeah. You guys, you guys want to have a good time? Play Hulk yeah, Hulk. I love to have a good time. Right, play Hulk Hogan's sex tape with this song over it. There's nothing better than watching Hulk Hogan fuck a lady and call himself a fat pig over this song. The best thing in the world. Well, I want to. I'm. I'm a. I was a Hulkamaniac. I want to give a little more insight on this. So this is pre red and red and yellow Hulk Hogan. This is he was wearing uh, mostly white, but red, white, and blue. He was he was known as American Made. 
And then his popularity skyrocketed. Well, well first his popularity skyrocketed after his Thunder Lips and Rocky III, and he was using Eye of the Tiger before this. And this song was actually written explicitly to replace Eye of the Tiger. It was supposed to evoke the same emotion as Eye of the Tiger did, because they didn't want to pay royalties. And on the same hand, Real American was supposed to pay, uh, replace Born in the USA. Both and did a great job. In both cases, they and absolutely they buried the prior. Knocked yeah. it out of the fucking park. We should rename this podcast Beyond Wrestling. Okay. They already have a wrestling podcast. It's Beyond Wrestling. Done. The song, the podcast where we talk about music. Hey, wrestling yeah. music is great. few songwriter episodes back, JD referenced the uh, horse-faced uh, Chanteuse of the North. Quebecois Diva. Horse-faced Quebecois Diva. Okay. But whatever. How great is Jim Steinman that this a Celine Dion song comes after a Hulk Hogan song? Yeah. This is our second... And they sound scene. remarkably similar. This is our second Celine Dion song, too, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, the only reason I put this at nine instead of ten was because Jim Steinman wrote the last one and... Putting the own guy in his own. How many Slayer songs he, perf- have we he, perf- had on this? he performed the uh, song. Uh, just south of heaven. <laughs> but I, I actually think he just said he performed the song because Hulk Hogan was embarrassed about how good it was, and yeah. he didn't want to admit that he performed it himself. Hulk right. Hogan. Yeah, he's a humble guy. <laughs> all right. Okay. So Celine Dion at number nine with uh, "It's All Coming Back to Me Now," one of the many songs that she couldn't write herself. <laughs> Not everybody can be a great songwriter. Clearly. Some people are just uh, singers. Some people are just musicians. Uh, takes all kinds. Uh, the first time I ever heard this song, I was at a karaoke bar. And my first thought was, ugh, why does this American Idol want to be doing a Celine Dion song? And then I listened to it. It went on longer and longer. Like, wait, this has all the Jim Steinman trademarks, just like I talked about in the opening. And sure enough, as the song ended, a credit flashed on the screen, written by Jim Steinman, and I was really, really proud of myself, and I had no one to share that moment with, because it's kind of par for the course when you're this big music nerd. Because Steve goes to karaoke bars by himself to listen to the performances. <laughs> and complains. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Pedestrian. It's, uh, <laughs> at best. It's weird. Steve and I have a similar, uh, similar remembrance of the first time we heard this song. I, I remember when I first heard it. I was like, oh, <laughs> and that was just a couple days ago when Dave told me he was fucking putting this on his playlist at the number nine spot, which is supposed to be the My punk, punk spot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where are the queers? Why don't? Why don't? Why doesn't Joe Queer sing this song I, at number I nine? Had a, I had another one picked out, but it didn't quite fit. Um, but I had a similar memory when, uh, not when I first heard this, but when Steve told me that story. Do you remember being at a bar and a mountain song came on? And I said, hey, I think this might be mountain and it wasn't Mississippi Queen. And I got really excited and I said, hey, Steve, I think I, I think do this remember is mountain. That. And I was, and turned out it was, and I was so glad that as a music nerd, you were there to share that with me. Yes, I do remember that. Wait. I don't remember what song it was, but I, I remember like, oh, Dave knows his mountain. Yeah. Hey, you guys talk about mountain? Yeah, a little bit. All right. A little bit of mountain. Yeah. yeah, good time. I want to I talk about orgasms, because this, this song I bet is you do. orgasmic. It's even It's got these big orgasmic drums going off all the time, like fireworks toward the end. It's toward the end of the song, which is like in 15 minutes. 
But, <laughs> like, uh, that's a, and the all that you sing about, the all that's coming back, is come. It's come, guys. Ah. The song could be called Your Come's Coming Back to Me Now. Celine Dion is getting showered with semen uh, in the song, my friends. I, I, listen to the lyrics, listen to the song. She's getting showered and come, probably by her husband, Renee. Rest I, in peace. I thought you were talking about a dude laying down masturbating and he was testing the wind. Yeah. Like, oh, nope. <laughs> if no, it was a dude no singing today, if it was a dude singing, that would be my theory. That'd be my theory, but I don't know if Celine Dion's a squirter. After 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 re-listening to a lot of this podcast, I'm starting to wonder, JD, if there's any song that doesn't remind you of cum. Um, or dicks or big spurting dicks. I mean songs that are actually about that, yeah, they remind me of it. Like this one. Obviously it would. Songs a lot that of songs about, seem to actually be about that. It's popular music, yeah, bro. You write what you know. <laughs> it's popular. <yeah. laughs> this song's so good that I kind of want to fuck Celine Dion. Yeah. That's that's why I wish. It's a good thing you used up all your cum before on that theory. I wish Steinman reached out to more artists so I didn't have to put Celine Dion on this list and kind of make you kind of want to fuck her, JD. Like, Meatloaf would have sung the fuck out of this song, but then JD probably would have wanted to fuck Meatloaf. So tender. Yeah, here's, here's the, the quiet break. The quiet breakdown. Is this when it got you? When the karaoke singer brought you yeah. back? Steve? This is. It's going to be a gentle explosion. But wait, listen, we've been talking about Celine on for five minutes now. Let's yeah. find out what number eight is. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Oh, but listen to the song at home, guys. This is so good. All right, here's some weird dark vampire shit from the Sisters of Mercy. I originally got really excited because I thought that uh, This Corrosion was written by Jim Steinman, which is a song I remember from high school, but it turned out it was only produced by him. And in my opinion, it's a really much better song. But after he took a break from Meatloaf, Steinman went on to work with Bonnie Tyler and then with Sisters of Mercy, which was such a weird step for him. But people wondered what the hell he was doing, and it turns out what he was doing was co-writing the first number one modern rock hit. That's what we're listening to right now, guys. A number one modern rock hit in 1990. Is it's it called more? Is it just me, or is this synth riff from a 90s jewelry commercial? Like, De Beers, because you wiggle your cock. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> fucked up your own joke. I, it is. It's okay though, because it's, it's funny. It is funny. Wait, say the she, joke again. Okay, wait. I gotta start the song. De Beers. I gotta start the song over for the right music. Man. De Beers, because she won't wiggle your cock without a big old rock. There we go. Yeah. That's it. Nailed it. Yeah. Oh, the jewelry exchange in Tustin. If you want your peen slime done, get her a diamond. <laughs> Thank God we got those in. Good, yeah. good read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good song. I was going to tell every, I was going to build off of that and tell everybody that diamonds are worthless. Wake up, sheeple. The beers is a cartel. I wanted to backtrack even farther and talk about the term modern rock because I'm old enough to remember when alternative rock was alternatively known as modern rock. MTV had a whole late night show featuring modern rock videos and they called it Postmodern MTV. It came out on late nights right after they showed reruns of Monty Python's Flying Circus. That was MTV back in the late 80s. Was that pre-120 minutes? That was yes, pre-120 minutes. Uh, do you think that replaced it? Because I don't remember it, what you I think about. it kind of did. I don't think it was a direct replacement. I think they... It just kind of evolved one, into that. noticed there was a, maybe a programming gap. 
And by the way, rhyming slimed on with dimed on, diamond. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. I know. I'm brilliant. I'm a brilliant guy. Yeah. People really should good. hire you to write. They do all the time. Fantastic. Um, People should hire you to write musical fan fiction <laughs> slash fiction. I know. Um, this I've never heard of this band. So really? I look. I, I, I wondered why the sister had such a husky voice. So I looked into Sisters of Mercy and discovered it's a British band that's full of dudes. Yeah, like four or five dudes. You must not yeah. have been a goth in high school then. I wasn't. Uh, I had Bobby McFerrin's uh, <laughs> "Don't Worry, Be Happy." Around <laughs> Actually, I really love that. Right. And your uh, that song shirt. got me into top yeah. forty. You know, funny thing about goth is these guys are clearly goth. But they fight the moniker. They're like, no, 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 no. Anytime anybody calls them a goth, no, 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 no. We're not goth. We're yeah. rock and roll. We, we yeah. can't, our style can't be pinned down. Bullshit. You, what is it with labels? You use synth violins. Synth, synth violins. They're better than goth. They're great. This is great. I've been listening to them. They're fantastic. But you, yeah. If you use synth violins, you're a goth band. That came out like unless you're like a bad pop, poorly produced pop singer like Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah, but this one, this one was good enough. It could have been on the Lost Boys soundtrack. Oh man, I feel like this could have like I hear these guitars and I think, man, this would have this song would have really kicked ass in the hands of a harder rocking band like The Cult. Yeah, or maybe like one of those but, newer goth metal bands that they always have a death metal vocalist growl because they're so goth. It's interesting to me that Steinman worked with these guys. And yeah, it really is. Interesting that he went and just yeah. went outside the mainstream well, for this. After he and Meatloaf had their falling out after Bad Out of Hell, uh, he started working with other singers. And after Bad Out of Hell, it said that Meat ruined his voice with extensive partying and drugs. But apparently, it was a lot deeper than that. Like there were those were the physical problems, but there were also emotional problems. Thank you, Steve. There were a bunch <laughs> of lawsuits. <laughs> Callback. There were a bunch of lawsuits that apparently went away when Meatloaf declared bankruptcy. Uh, when Steinman decided to sing himself on the following album, Bad for Good, it didn't do as well, even though there's some rocking tunes on there. Steinman doesn't really talk about the lawsuits with Meat, but he claimed that a ton of money disappeared, and Meatloaf wouldn't have another hit until he got back with Steinman. So, great fun facts, great history there, but if you guys uh, haven't figured out already, the more this guy is singing about is male ejaculate. There's this line in the song, hard to come by, harder to hold. And as you guys know, come is very, very hard to hold on to. It slips right out of your hands. So that lyric in this entire song we all know. is only about one thing. You know this audience, listen to the lyrics, it all fits. Come. Hard to come by. Harder to hold. Oh, God. Hey, hey. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey. I thought... Hey, hey. These are all going to be about come, oh, right? Go for it, J.D. Hey, hey. Song eight. Need an erotic persuasion carrot? Make her say, he went to Jared. <laughs> that rhymes. Who did these bumpers? Grant Olson. Ah, thank you, Grant. Yeah, thanks, Grant. Yeah, good job, Grant. All right, you're going to know this artist, but you're not going to know this song. I didn't know this artist. <laughs> Did not know this You'll song. You'll know some of the things she's done. Yvonne Elman, best known for her hit, If I Can't Have You, from the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Everybody Disco classic. One. She, oh. she also sang I Don't Know How to Love Him from the original recording of Jesus Christ Superstar, alongside my favorite Jesus, Deep Purple's Ian Gillian. Hard organ. This is Yvonne Elman with Happy Ending. 
Do something. Uh -huh. do, do something with that, JD. Yeah. Okay. Can't make a joke out of Can't that. Can't make a cum joke uh, out of happy ending. Uh, hold on. Look, come on, on, writer let me, man. Let me, let me finish oh, talking. Show about us your chops. Hold on. He's got to start the song. start the song over again. Hold on. <laughs> All right, don't. But now this is this is Yvonne uh, from her 1973 album Food of Love. If you look at the album cover, it appears the food of love is green jello, or possibly green jelly, if the people over at Kraft Foods are feeling litigious. Oh, uh, I get I, that. Yeah, I got that one now. Um, yeah. So well, once I tell you guys that this song is about cum, every single lyric falls into place like a puzzle. I mean, give me a happy ending, obviously. Yeah. And then she mentions her thirst in the first verse. Like, I'm not a crazy. Like, this song's about cum. Listen to the lyrics, everyone. It's about male cum. Oh, male cum. Yeah. Yeah. See, I thought this was a, a food-themed album uh, well, because the album is called, called Food of Love. Yeah, it's called Food is. of Love. Green Jello, yeah, aka Green Jelly, yeah, yeah. on the cover. And the he first just, song was called. You guys were paying attention. <laughs> food just, of Love has come. Yeah, he missed the. It's true. I mean, I, I'll give him that. Yeah, that's that, true. that does seem. That does seem like it makes an awful lot of sense. Seems like a beverage. Well, it's full of nutrients like Carnation Instant Breakfast. It's got everything you need. <laughs> <laughs> you have a shake for breakfast, a uh -huh. shake for lunch, uh -huh. and then... There's any sponsors? Yeah, there's yeah, any would-be sponsors out there. Let's get some it. Carnation Instant Breakfast Justin, plugs on this. Justin, good on that Carnation Instant Breakfast, on this show. breakfast plug this, this week? All right. I would have been delighted to have a straight-ahead soul album that shares Weird Al Yankovic's lyrical obsession with food. And I'm sad that this album is not it. Well, she came close. The first track was called Casa Roll Me Over. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So I thought it was going to be filled with these great puns, but no luck. Oh, just that one? It goes just on to have no one. real... It, it's all non-punny titles. I should look at them again and see if they're about jizz. They are. Oh, well, the ones that Jim Steinman wrote are. Green Jelly is also about jizz. Anything else to say about Yeah, I just, I actually did a little research on this and found out she didn't actually do Jesus Christ Superstar with Dane Donahue. Uh, no, fellow Ian, yacht rocker. Ian Gillian. Yeah, uh, she, well, of Deep that Purple. was the movie version, but she. That was the Broadway recording. That was the, that was the Broadway recording, recording version. Before it was even a play. Yes. It was the London but recording. But she was also on the Broadway one, whereas Dane was on the national tour. I think he was on the regional tour. <laughs> national. <laughs> Number six. Can I just say, right off the top, we finally have a Barry Manilow song on the show, and it wasn't even selected by me, the biggest Barry Manilow fan in this, in this room. That's amazing in this to me. Room. I was going to say this one's for you, Steve, right off the top, but I think you're this aware. This one's for me, wherever I am. <laughs> uh, I wish it was a couple microphones away. Uh, number six, Read em and Weep, Barry Manilow. I read an article from 1983 with Steinman right after he worked with Barry Manilow, and he said the three most important musical moments in his life were seeing Bruce Springsteen at the bottom line, seeing the Who do Tommy live at the Fillmore, and singing, seeing the Wagnerian opera Tristan and uh, Isolde. Isolde. Isolde? Isolde, there we go. Is that? At I the hope Met. that's it. Yeah. He says that meeting Barry Manilow wasn't even interesting. Oh, who gives it? Wait, he specifically said that? Yeah, he said, no, nah, it wasn't very interesting. And then he went on to talk about what he was interested in. 
This is a cover of a Meatloaf song. Yes, a cover of a Meatloaf song performed by Barry Manilow with a new second verse written for him by Steinman. Specifically oh. for old Barry Boy, when it comes to Steinman's song, you've got about a 70% chance the Meatloaf recorded it first, covered it later, or played it live. There would be no Meatloaf without Jim Steinman. Does he, do you think he puts bacon on his meatloaf? Like on his dick? No, just like a, like, I never know. Wait. Yes, on his dick. Gosh, our improv is terrible. Yeah, really. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I refer to his... <laughs> no, on his dick. <laughs> See. Not his meaty loaf-like cock. I should have said. Yeah. No, seriously, he was named after his favorite dish, which was meat. Everything loaf. I've ever heard about Barry Manilow makes him out to be a real turd. And you know what, Dave? I don't give a shit. I don't care who Barry Manilow is as a person, because according to a theory I'm still developing, he invented the power ballad, which is the most important musical innovation of my lifetime. Unless your theory is about Mandy, I don't want to. It might be. Okay. About it might have started with Mandy. I'm still working on it. Then I might be way on board. I will. We'll get into this. Well, I think we'll get into this in a later episode. I have a feeling. Birth of the Power Ballad. Now, I did did a little research on how this came to come from Meatloaf to Barry Manilow, and according to the All Music Review, the missing ingredient on Meatloaf's follow-up album Dead Ringer, the follow-up to Bad Out of Hell, was producer Todd Rundgren. That's the missing ingredient. Meatloaf produced that record, Dead Ringer himself. It was not nearly as successful as Bad Out of Hell, which opened the door for my man Manilow to make this his own. And this was actually his last top 40 hit, his last number one on the adult contemporary charts. It was kind of the end of an era. He made this his own. He made it his own. A he- song about playing cards. No one knows oh! about And that's cards. why in the video, I never realized there was an official music video to this song, but it was 1983, so he... I guess he kind of had to make one. Uh, he transforms via makeup into Pagliacci, the sad weeping clown, and he performs uh. a song with a bunch of dancers who are marked as playing uh. cards. I just want to say... And he, oh, oh, sorry. God, there's a little bit more it. in the video. He also is sitting in the audience as the lone audience member, watching himself as his clown alter ego on stage, uh. and he's lip-syncing the song along in the audience and shaking his head with the massive emotion that he's feeling. Oh, he just ruined card play apparently. I was just going to say that there's two people I think of when I think of card players. It's Kenny Rogers and Barry Manilow. <laughs> well, That's it. If you li- Made I, it his own. They got the metaphor wrong because it's not about card playing at all. If you oh, listen sorry, to sorry, the sorry, lyrics Jimmy, very closely, not even very closely, it's clearly a song about a guy who's been fucking somebody so much in one erotic encounter he's just been coming and coming and coming that he's got no come left and it's bumming him out. He can't even express his sadness of no longer being able to produce come in this wonderful sescapade you look in his eyes you can see it you can read his eyes and he's weeping that he can't and you weep that he can't produce male ejaculate uh, until he has a substantial break uh, he did say that did you just pronounce male as mal of course i did male ejaculate oh, oh boy Good clapping, everybody. Don't run, America. That was a fucking jamboree. We don't really want you on the run. Guys, welcome to New Hampshire. 
That's where we are. At first, at first, guys, it's my turn. At first, I picked this state because I knew Aerosmith had some connection here, and I wanted to see if I could make it four episodes in a row where we talk about an Aerosmith song. Oh, but nobody but, wants that. No, and none of them were born there. They didn't really live there. They just kind of met while on summer holiday and did some early gigs there. So instead, I have chosen a song by New Hampshire's own favorite rock and roll son, legendary punk rock degenerate Gigi Allen. Yes, finally, someone who has no connections with bodily fluids. Oh, yeah, funny. he was more into bodily solids. Yeah, it's Jesus <laughs> Christ. Great choice, Jesus Steve. Christ. It's funny you mentioned the name Jesus Christ, Hunter, because Gigi Allen's actual birth name was, in fact, Jesus Christ Allen, and that's where the nickname Gigi came from. Also, Jesus Jones is not a name of a person, it's a band. Those are fun Jesus facts for everybody. <laughs> that's great. Let's get back to Gigi Allen. The question I had to myself like when I decided to do Gigi, Gigi Allen, what song should I pick? There's so many choices, there's so many classics. Uh, I've already shouted out Expose Yourself to Kids in the Stat Tracks episode, but then there's also I Kill Everything I Fuck, Needle Up My Cock, I Want to Fuck Myself, Suck My Ass It Smells, I'm Gonna Rape You, Die When You Die When You Die You're Gonna Die, Legalized Murder, Ass Fucking Butt Sucking right. Cunt Licking Masturbation, oh, and his obvious, his obviously genuinely heartfelt statement, Shove That Warrant Up Your Ass. But in the end, I decided to show you whelps how it's done, and I chose a song that actually literally is about shooting jizz everywhere. This is Cock on the Loose, which I believe originally appeared on the album Eat My Fuck. <laughs> and this song is inspired by the fact that load rhymes with explode. Um, I think you got this song all wrong. Uh, this is clearly a song about the complications of modern romance. <laughs> how long before you text back? When yeah. do you change your relationship status on social media? It's and with complicated. All, with all these rules about love these days, we all feel like we're running around like a cock on a loose, like, like a rooster, crazy. Yeah. yeah, with your you head figure cut things off. out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Gigi Allen, he used to perform at a club in my hometown called the Ice Pick. Oh, all yeah. All the time. Yeah. Pooped on stage there. Yeah. Oh, he pooped on stage in a lot of places. Yeah, he uh, hooked up with a couple people from your hometown. Wayne Kramer from the MC5 played with his band for a little bit. And uh, Didi Ramon, who also lived in Ann Arbor for a brief time, played with them for about two weeks until they did their first show. And he realized, what the fuck's going on? I don't want to be associated with this. Uh, you can actually see him interviewed in the documentary by Todd Phillips. The song's a little short. Let's listen to the live version. Okay. Oh. This is really going to strip away that polished studio sheet and get, get, <laughs> yeah. get down really to the bare essentials of down. the song. Bare bones. Sure. Bare bones. This is a little more raw. Uh, Dave, you mentioned that documentary, Hated, uh, yeah, directed Todd by Phillips. Todd Phillips. Uh, I, if you are someone who, who you think you're capable of having empathy for all living creatures, great and small, I challenge you to watch Hated and not come away from it thinking, Whew, it's probably good that he's dead. Yeah. I had a conversation with that director about that movie. And he just did not want to talk about it. And oh, I that's think, a shame. I think it was because he just did not want to talk to me. Was it re <laughs> re uh, rest in peace, Gigi Allen. You can give to his charity, Feed Children Around the World. Yeah. Uh, or you can go on the internet and find fan photos of fans shitting on his grave. Oh, I had a really good John Denver joke there. 
Wait, <laughs> let's talk real quick about True G.G. Allen style Other bands from New Hampshire Because there's 50 states Other bands from New Hampshire include The Queers yeah. Who we're mentioning again on this show Because we said they were from Alaska before No Oh No that's, Never mind. It, we see. No, this is a were... Joe Queer from the Ursula oh, has okay, tits okay. song. Yeah. Uh, Remember that also, song that Dave also squeezed into the statues. The Shags are from New Hampshire. Three sisters who couldn't really sing or play their instruments, but their dad made them record an album anyway, and that album became an underground cult legend when uh, Frank Zappa talked it up. Yeah, man, uh, New Hampshire's kind of a fucked up place, isn't it? But you know what? It's still better than Taxachusetts. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wake up, sheeple! Don't tread on. Yeah. Me, son. Yeah. Fucking never. No one's ever spent tax money well. Uh, I also saw Adam. Scam. Uh, Adam Sandler's from New Hampshire, um, which makes Gigi Allen the second most disgusting person <laughs> yeah. from New well, Hampshire. Adam Sandler's. He's a higher charting artist than Gigi Allen, so it, it makes him a better person. It makes it's better. not hard to be a better person than Gigi Allen. No, not at all. Let's get back to the countdown. There we go. Number five. All right, guys. We're at number five with Original Sin by Taylor Dane. I originally had Rock Me Tonight by Billy Squire here, but Steve pointed out that Steinman merely produced it and didn't write it. Yeah, there's a couple of those that kind of fucked us up there. Fuck you, Billy Squire. Maybe if you let Jim write Rock Me Tonight, it wouldn't have ended your career along with this stupid, weird video, you asshole. But this is spot on Steinman. Slow intro with piano that uh, I meant to mention earlier, and it doesn't build. It fucking explodes like a load of jizz from an erupting cock. Sure does. The song is so goddamn powerful, it's no wonder that it was used for one of the greatest superhero movies of all time, The Shadow, starring Alec Baldwin. I'm really looking forward to the wow. Alec Baldwin reprising his role as a shadow along with Seth Rogen's second grade, second greatest hero, the Green Hornet, so we can get into the oldie time radio superhero expanded movie universe. Gotta get that up and running. Yeah, they could meet Batman. Uh, the no, Shadow no. versus Batman. Wonder who's it'll be it'll be a fierce battle because they both kind of work in the shadows, you know? You know? They'll never see each other. It'll just be a dark movie. This and does sound to me dark. like an dark attempt. And gritty. This sounds to me like an attempt at a Bond theme. I know Meatloaf covered this on a later album, but it isn't nearly as good as this version. This is kind of candy-ass. You kind of need Taylor Dane to give this one some balls. How, how many times have we said that before? This this is our second Taylor Dane song. Yeah. How many Thin Lizzy songs have we got in this podcast <laughs> so far? None? Oh, God. So much screaming in this song. I, I just don't like Taylor Dane. She sounds like she stepped on a cat whenever she We'll do a genre about cowboys. Get Thin Lizzy in there. The um, shadow! This song, actually, Jim Steinman, Jim Steinman recycled this song from this unforgettable uh, concept album that he wrote and produced by this band he put together called Pandora's Box. It was... It was himself and a bunch of women. Yeah. Uh, it's like a stable of singers that he would work, he worked with before, and would work with after. So the version on Pandora's box isn't as good as this. This is great. I like that. I like that the lyrics to this song incorporate the old shadow catchphrase. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? Yeah. It's like in one of the verses somewhere. Yeah, it's I'm, brilliant. I'm really impressed by your guys' knowledge of the shadow. Well, I I saw it in the movie theater, and the two things I remember about it is um, my mom's friend's niece was visiting, and I had to take her with my friends, and she didn't have any money, and I had to buy her a ticket. 
And also that uh, the person in front of me got really upset because my friends and I were just making fun of the terrible movie, and he yelled at us. Well, I, I watched the video for this, and it's one of those videos with clips of the movie. And I kind of remember the movie being boring, and then in the, vi in the movie clips, Elizabeth Perkins shows up, and I'm like, oh yeah, the movie was totally boring. Yeah. She's not in a fun movie, is she? No. No. Not like her brother, Big. Anthony Perkins. Yeah. <laughs> Big as fun. Big as fun. Um, but this song's purely about jism. Oh, you don't say. Yeah, you can tell by the title. As we all know, the original sin was when Eve ate the forbidden fruit at the Garden of Eden. Well, what the Bible doesn't tell you overtly is that the forbidden fruit was the ejaculate she sucked from Adam's penis. Mm -hmm. Oh, so the Bible is also about... Yeah, Jeez. well, a serpent? Come on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A serpent? It's not real. Um, <laughs> One of the two yeah. things. But, like... They were no, both like, Adam and Eve were both like, well, that was super fun, and God got pissed off because he never meant for humans to have fun having sex. This is a fucking goddamn great breakdown. This is pure goddamn arena rock right here. This is, they do that just so people could clap over their hands, clap their hands over their heads, and get the whole stadium singing along with this. Drum and unfortunately, vocals. it was Taylor Dane who doesn't have an audience for arena rock. And it was also the theme to the, to the shadow. It, it really sounds like they were trying to do a Bond theme and really missed the mark. Number five. <laughs> Speaking of soundtrack songs, what's this, this one's Dave? Nowhere Fast by Fire Inc. Which is Diane Lane singing, right? Is she singing on this? I think she in is. In the movie she is. In the movie really she is. Her? No, I, I think, think it's, it's really uh, her. I couldn't find any. Because the, the singer's not extraordinary, so it could just be a Foxy actor Absolutely. singing. Yeah. Maybe. I know Holly Sherwood, who was in Pandora's Box, did the background singing for this. Did we already say this was from Streets of Fire? I didn't yet. I was about to. But it's from the 1984 film Streets of Fire from Walter Hill, director of 48 Hours and The Warriors. And also a companion movie to this, Crossroads, which is a which is a movie about attempting to make Ralph Macchio good at another thing besides karate, and that which is guitar. guitar. Yeah. yeah, it's Karate Kid with uh, jazz guitar, uh, blues, yeah, blues guitar, blues yeah, guitar. Well, actually, yeah. he plays classical, like classical guitar. guitar. Yeah, he, but then he learns. I don't want to ruin the movie. Listen, he learns the blues yeah. to be authentic. Then oh. he has to battle the devil's guitar player, like in the Devil Went Down to Georgia, but can with I, guitar. Can I? Anyway, can I, can I tell a, a quick story? Please. Uh, I used to work at a video store, and when the Britney Spears movie Crossroads came out, every every teenage girl that would walk in and go, "Do you guys have the movie Crossroads?" I'd go, "Yes, it's right over here," and I would bring them to the Ralph Macchio Crossroads. <laughs> I you think they like the, the I climax to, I with it was Steve Vai? I knew I knew Hunter when he worked at this uh, this video store, and I'd go in there and I'd see that he'd put. Uh, Top Gun in the alternative lifestyles category. <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I I didn't originally do that, but I, every time they changed it back, I changed it right back. Um, as a, as a lot a, of fun stuff. The movie that this song is from, Streets of Fire. It's kind of a mess as a movie, but as a tone poem, it's incredible. There's amazing stuff in the movie that I can, and I can't really put my finger on why it's so cool. But the music is a huge part of it. They did subtitle it a rock and roll fable. Yes, um, but the music was a huge. This movie is a huge influence on our friends, the current greatest band you've never heard of, the Proto Men. Yeah. They embody Jim Steinman in every way, from the epic rock music to taking way too long the right music. I almost put uh, the Proto Men's cover of Total Eclipse of the Heart on here, but you yell at us when we talk about covers. 
Mostly because they're going to be shitty punk rock covers if you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, let me. You you yell at me when I put shitty punk rock covers on. Uh, speaking of covers, um, good old Meat Sweats uh, covered this song in 1984's album Who Gives a Fuck? I mean, bad at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Streets of Fire also um, debuted that song I Can Dream About You by Dan Hartman. It's the most non Holland Oates song, not by Holland Oates, ever. Ever it's released. the most Hollow Note, Note song, song not, not by Hollow yes, Note. Yes. That's, that's what you mean? That's what I mean. Okay, I, I, I parsed it out. Thank you, Steve. Got it. I'm glad we have a grammar Nazi, because we really need one. Yeah. We really that's do. True. I'm not being sarcastic. Uh, We're Ma- a mess. Max Weinberg uh, plays drums on this. Mm-hmm. Also, East Street Band member Roy Bitten? Bitten? Batan. Batan? Rattan? Like the couch? Um... So, so we have a direct Springsteen connection, which is which I thought was interesting because Steinman's songs always sounded like Springsteen on Broadway. Oh, absolutely. See, I, I hear this, and I hear, when you say Broadway, I hear this is like the cast of Grease trying to do a sultry rock hit. Steinman quotes Springsteen as one of his major influences, along with The Who and uh, Wagner. Uh, but you listen to Bat Out of Hell, and it sounds, there's, there's some Thunder Road in there. Um... So, uh, listen to this song. In the first verse, there's a lyric, it's raining buckets, but it's not even hot. So those buckets that uh, she's talking about are buckets of semen. Like a, uh, like a, load, because, like a load bucket. Yeah, because you, you can come when it's not cold out. So it's it's uh, raining buckets, but it's not even hot. Is it's load cold. bucket a term? Yeah. Yeah. Dave, uh, yeah. Dave has one. There's another yeah, lyric. You jerk, you jerk out. Where are you going to put your load? You put it in your load bucket. Uh, your body's got a feeling that it's starting to rust. You better rev it up and put it to use, which means you haven't used your dick in a long time, you better get a boner and ejaculate from it. And of course, nowhere fast is a phrase associated with the verb going, which is the opposite of coming, which means ejaculating semen. Uh. So basically, hold a mirror up to this song, and it's not nowhere fast. You hold a mirror up, and I'm jizzing everywhere slowly, which sums up Jim Steinman's body of work very nicely. But preferably do it in your load bucket, then once a week you take it and dump it out in the toilet. This one's fun. Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Meat Who does Loaf. this? Who does this? This is Meatloaf? This is Meatloaf. We put I mean, Meatloaf in the yeah, Jim Steinman yeah, yeah. countdown. After talking about him this long, I figured maybe we throw a song in here. Meatloaf said two really interesting things about Steinman. One was, have you ever seen Jim Steinman? That's one weird dude. The other was that every song is approached like it's part of a never-produced rock opera, Neverland. This specific track, more than any other, feels to me like its own mini-rock opera, specifically because it's divided into parts. But yeah, it, it really reminds yeah, it's very me of, segmented. Uh, yeah, re- like Laura Mulvey's theory about the female form. Uh, reminds me of um, A Quick One While He's Away by The Who. Hey, can you recite that, that Laura Mulvey quote? Uh, yeah, it talks about the segmentation of the female form and the male gaze. It's the lack of the male. It's segmenting the female form by the male for the inability to accept the female as a whole. Very good. He Thank dropped you. that he could do that without looking it up at the bar earlier, and he was yeah. right. Uh, uh, where where did uh, Meatloaf get his nickname from? Uh, his uh, fat uh, loaf-like dick. Oh, there we are. Back on track. Yeah. Um, and of course, the paradise in this song is come. It's of course dark. it is. It's dark Obviously. out. Obviously. It's dark out, but because there's light coming from the dashboard, you can actually see the cum that he's ejaculated uh, from his boy's penis. Uh, 
this also goes to my original fit sin theory. The Garden of Eden was paradise. So if paradise is cum, the Garden of Eden was made entirely of cum, more than anyone could ever need. And despite this, Eve still chose to suck it out of Adam. Uh, if I were God and I made an entire garden of jizz for my two people, and they still weren't satisfied, I'd smite them too. This one clocks in Thank at 8 minutes and 26 so seconds. I, we're really, I think we're really testing our audience on this episode here. <laughs> I, I can't help it if this guy keeps writing songs about cum. I can't help it. You sure uh, you can't, can't help it. it. Yeah, you're right. You can't. Uh, I, I remember in college, the uh, the evangelical Christian who lived on our honors college floor uh. was horrified by the plot of the song and the realization that the meatloaf character was lying about loving her forever. And now he's going to take her virginity. And she's going to have had sex, but it won't be with the guy she's going to marry. It was very, it was very oh. disturbing. Oh, how dare he write this song? Oh, oh, oh! Little do they know how biblical it is. <laughs> well, you just, you've established that pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. This I, uh, the last song sounded to me like the cast of Grease, but this one to me sounds like a remake of Grease starring Jack Black. Cool. Over the top. You good, Steve? I'm good, yeah. This song clocks in at 8.26, which isn't very long for a typical Steinman track. Oh, you mentioned that it clocked in at 8.26 a minute ago. Yeah, but then I got cut off. Weird. Apparently, Steinman <laughs> broke into tears when he was told that the radio station wouldn't play his 12-minute album version of I Would Do Anything for Love, but I won't do that on the air. The single is something like seven minutes long, and it's still one of the longest songs to ever hit number one in America. That's a long song, Silver! There you go, Hunter! It's a long song, Silver! Okay, this is the first part where the song sort of breaks up. This is the second act of the song. Yeah, this is the point where I uh, took the CD out of the player and gave it to my friend after I got it for free on Columbia House. There's there's a reason I put this song this high up in the countdown. And What's that? When I was in college, I worked at a bar, and I came home with a couple free uh, cases of Corona. And it was like 2 in the morning. I thought everybody would be asleep, but my roommate and his buddy were up doing a uh, dance routine to this song. Oh, God. We drank all the beer, ran out of beer. Like, 6 in the morning, we tried to go to the quality dairy down the street, buy more beer. They wouldn't sell it to us. I came up with the idea, let's go to my friend's house. They're not home. We'll go in, we'll take their beer. So we drove over there, drunk out of our minds, did donuts in their yard, ran in, opened their fridge, went to grab their beer, all of a sudden realized the house we were in wasn't our friend's house. Ran out, went home, went back to Quality Dairy, where it was now late enough in the day to buy beer, and then went home. And listened to the last 15 minutes of the song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at uh, 10 a.m., my friend went to bed, and his fiance uh, just woke him up, said, hey, you got to help me move in now, and they're no longer together. Huh. And then you watched the. Did that break? You them listen, up? Then you listened to the last thirty minutes of the song. Yeah, Act Three, everybody. Huh. I can't think of a better song to listen to while playing chicken on a tractor in a small town that is outlawed dancing than this one. This is number two, holding out for a hero by Bonnie Tyler. Yeah, here yeah. those drums. This is a real driving Steinman track. This isn't like his big ballads. It's a song. I, it's a, oh, go ahead. I was. I, I. I never. I never remember that this one is a Steinman because the the structure and the dynamics are more conventional. It doesn't have the huge pre-chorus and the quiet chorus. 
But but also just because you can do jazzercise to this song. I like how you called it a Steinman. It's, yeah, <laughs> that's it's a Steinman. Yeah. It's an original Steinman. It's like a Faberge. It's signed. <laughs> Has anybody seen my Steinman? Um, I like this song, and I think that uh, I think Bonnie Tyler's song or her voice fits better in a Steinman. Yeah, there's a lot more. Yeah. There's grit. Yeah, it doesn't have the musical theater aspect of I, the Meatloaf I she, voice. I think she's better than Meatloaf. Uh, so are synth drums. I really like synth, synth drums on a Steinman. These are fabulous synth drums. Yeah. Yeah, they're Absolutely great. Fabulous. They're amazing. This one was uh, co-written by Dean Pitchford, who was well-known for writing Fame, the Solid Gold theme, and Don't Fight It for Loggins and Perry. He also wrote the screenplay for Footloose, which uh, we have speculated in our web show was originally titled The Boy Who Danced Away Oppression. And this is one of the hits from the Footloose soundtrack. Mm-hmm. The Footloose soundtrack knocked what song out of, or what album out of number one, everybody, in 1984? It was Thriller. Take that, Van Halen. Yeah, Van Hagar couldn't have gotten close. No. Well, they could have if they were good. Never mind. (laughs) If they were good? Good. You were going to say if they were good. Okay, so this song is about coming. It's about selective... You get me every time. I'm not ready for it. I know. It's about selective... Number two is Oh Sherry by Steve Perry. (laughs) This song's about selective evolution. It's a woman with the will to be patient for a man demonstrating the most powerful genetic attributes that will make for stronger offspring. She's looking for some bonanza cum, fellas. This song is not uh, just about an exciting night of lovemaking. It's about receiving solid gold jism to make a more awesome baby. Solid gold jism? Solid gold jism. Make a really sweet kiddo. Yeah, like the King Midas of uh, jizz. <laughs> ah. Mixed metaphors in this. Episode. I'm glad we got both Bonnie Tyler songs in. Yeah. Both. <laughs> One hit wonder my ass. How many Bonnie Tyler songs have we had so far? Two in this. One was in the intro, but yeah. like we but said, I did hide your hide on Desmond Shaw. Yeah, and so like that's... we said, uh, Jim Steinman, very small uh, uh, corral of artists. Yeah, but number one is obvious. Making love out of nothing at all by Air Supply. Dave, as big a Barry Manilow fan as I am, you finally put the best song in the countdown at number one. Yeah, this is a fucking whopper. Clearly, far and away. Well, Neil Diamond and the Ramones wrote their own songs, so (laughs) this is number three for me, so thanks, guys. Bang! Booyah! This one really sums up the drama that's a Steinman trademark. It's the repet, like Steve said, the repetition of a single short phrase. And then it's the tenderness versus rock. A, a beautiful love song that can still make all the stadiums rock. It's the clear reference to coming. Why? Why? You just, oh, please I'll expand tell you what. on your theory. Okay, okay. Well, I can't think of more uh, nothing at all than rubbing a penis. Love, of course, right, is your right. own love. We're all with so, you. Hold on, hold on. So the first verse, uh, the, the narrator, Joe Air Supply, is describing all the things that can come from his body. Whispers, tears, etc. And it just builds and builds to the huge cum of the pre-chorus. And of course, as, as, you, guys, as you fellas described earlier, the titular line comes after the literary and musical orgasm. So the moment after jizzing is just the sweetest, most relieving moment in the world. It's the afterglow. Chorus. Yeah, but only if you've come into a person. <laughs> if you come for masturbating, the second uh, you usually feel terrible. Yeah, there's no afterglow from masturbating. Yeah. Like th- this is afterglow. Yeah, it's just, this is the afterglow. It's just, right just here. shame. 
one time clean up. One time this song came on the radio in my car as I was right as I was arriving at my destination. Uh, so instead of parking, I just cranked up the volume and drove the car around the block for the next six minutes with the window rolled down. Yeah. And I'm very proud of that. This song only reached number two on the Billboard Hot 100. Travesty! Well, you know what? You know what kept it out of number one? No. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Take that, man. Hey, uh, Jim Steinman. Steinman. And here's Steinman. Steinman. Here's, here's the real kick in the nads. Ah. Both songs were offered to Meatloaf for his forgettable album Midnight at the Lost and Found, but the record company wouldn't pay Steinman for his work. So I basically told Meat's peeps to kick rocks and offered the uh, music to uh, Bonnie and uh, Graham and Russell. Uh, this section right here is incredible that we're that we're listening to. Did you guys? Uh, did anybody else watch Celebrity Apprentice with me? I know we're past the, the meat section of this. Did anybody watch Celebrity Apprentice when he was on there? No, not a Trump fan. Uh, it's he, his Trump? freak out is legendary, and I'm only mentioning. I this remember hearing about it because uh, now Tim will have to look for it and put it in the archive. Mm-hmm. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Um, Love ya. Any, any last words, any yeah. last thoughts on Graham, Jim Steinman? Graham and Russell were, uh, you know what, I want to say something. I love this song so much. The first time I ever hung out with my wife, I took her to an Air Supply concert, and love bloomed from there. This is one of my favorite songs, and it played at our wedding. Oh, and this is the line, this is the line. Shh. Fucking love Fuck this song. yeah! So what's that, how's that mean come? Oh, because the stadium is the, is the uh, uterus. And to rock it is to jizz inside of it. Ah! Mm-hmm. JD just actually made a, a jerk-off motion with his hand mm-hmm. to illustrate. Well, I'm a visual a visual learner. Yeah. Um, so that's Jim Steinman, guys, right? Yeah. So what did... More what like did... Jizz Steinman. <laughs> well, that's his fault, not mine. Uh, what didn't make the list? Well, I think a more interesting meatloaf track uh, would have been I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. We did talk about it yeah. in the middle of the meatloaf It should have been the countdown because it's about a man who's actually afraid of coming. Even the way Meat sings it, it sounds like he's on the verge of coming, but won't do it. I strongly consider that one. I didn't want to use it because I'm holding it for my backdoor suggestions. Oh, oh Jesus! <laughs> uh, that, uh, that was that was also the choice I would have made for the count because I I couldn't find a whole lot of other Steinman songs. Uh, also, the thing that he won't do for love is writing the lyrics at the end, where she says, "Sooner or later, you'll be screwing around." He's like, "No, I won't do that." Yeah, it's a nice twist. That's, that's what he won't do for love. Well, I was a little disappointed in Dave. In that number nine slot, he chose a Celine Dion song where he clearly could have could have justified Iron Prostates, Bring Me the Head of Jerry Garcia. It was a perfect opportunity for a punk song in the countdown, and you didn't take it. Three, three reasons. First, well, I don't care in these reasons. The reasons never, they met, those reasons never meant anything until today, apparently. Dave, he, what were the three reasons? He didn't write it. The only recording I could find was a really shitty live recording that was half interview. And third, how fucking punk is it of me to put Celine Dion in that position? Uh, uh, punk as fuck, bro. Uh, He's listed as producer, and come on, no one knows who writes punk songs. That's why I kept Billy Squire off the list. He didn't write it. Here, for the credits, here's a great example of a Jim Steinman recycled song. Yeah. This is not... This is uh, Stark Stark Raving Love off of his uh, solo album. Which Um, is... 
What song about, does it sound like? It's about cum. What does this song sound like? It sounds like cum. Holding out the same melody as holding out for yeah, hair. Yeah, but it's not that song. He recycled it for holding out for the hair, which is fascinating. So, that's Jim Steinman, everyone. Next week, please join us as we conclude our songwriter series with songs written by our favorite victim of America's doctor's obsession with prescribing opiates, Prince, a.k.a. Joey Coco. That's one of his songwriter uh, yeah. aliases. aliases. I'm I'm dig, I dig that one. Um, so, you've all read the BuzzFeed list of what songs he's written? Yeah, they kind of uh, they, they took the research we did and then published it before we could get a podcast episode You've never heard our skewed views of them. Yeah, yeah we're totally going to come yeah, up with some wacky. new shit that weren't in all the lists that came out right after he died. Because we've already done half the research. Crazy, wacky stuff. So, Guys, we ran a little long today, but it seems really appropriate for a Jim Steinman episode. <laughs> uh, find this week's playlist by following J.D. Risner on Spotify. Go to feralaudio.com for show notes compiled by the irascible Tim Malcolm at Timothy Malcolm. Send questions via Twitter at Yacht Rock. Follow JD at JD Riznar. Follow Hollywood Steve at Hollywood Steve H. Follow Dave at David underscore B underscore Lions. Follow Hunter at Hunter Stare. Like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes, please. A lot of you listeners have not paid us uh, an iTunes review tribute, and we hunger for it. Feed us. It keeps us in the buzzed about section, which helps us get more listeners, I think. And then you have more friends to talk about the podcast with. It's just a wonderful circle. Connect people. Go to yachtrock.com for what will hopefully one day be a useful experience. I can't believe it's still not. Thank you to Grant Olson for the bumpers. <laughs> I can. Thanks to Rob Crow and Mark Rivers for the theme bumpers. Thanks to producer Dustin Marshall. You know what he told me the other day? What's that, J.D.? He said, I've never come. Wow. I don't I don't believe him, but if you're going to lie to your friends, that's probably the most compelling one you could do. I think he just wanted you to stop talking to him. Probably. <laughs> I've never come. <laughs> walked away. Oh, uh, this guy. Uh, so check out other Feral Audio podcasts at feralaudio.com and use our Amazon portal to purchase all your favorite song features on Beyond Yacht Rock. Good night. Good night, everybody. I can only imagine the, the conversation JD was having for him. Oh, poor guy.